Welcome to the Gossip Podcast with Anthony Goss. Triathlete, teacher, coach, and all-around humble individual. Live streaming to the BRT athletes and audience around the world. The Gossip Podcast is designed to inspire, motivate, and educate you on all things triathlon training and racing. Because we know you just can't get enough of it. So, wherever you're listening on a ride, run, in your car, or sipping on a cold one in a jacuzzi, settle in and please welcome your gossip host, Anthony Goss. This podcast is in no way endorsed by Beckworth Racing, unless it's an absolutely cracking episode, in which case we'll happily take the credit and full licensing rights. Welcome everyone to the first episode of the Gossip Podcast. Proudly supported by Beckworth Racing. Uh, this podcast is going to be a series uh, looking at a few of our Beckworth Racing team members and people that are part of our wonderful uh, community. Our first guest today is someone that has been in the sport for over 30 years now. We all know him as a fantastic person, someone that has um, supported each and every one of us over our tri- triathlon career. But Today, we're going to be looking more at his actual athletic career before he got into coaching. And I'd like to welcome our first guest to the Gossip Podcast, Coach Adam Beckworth. How are you, mate? Very nice welcome there. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Just enjoying this beautiful weather we've got going on here. Yes, true. True. It's a bit windier today, but um, I think next week's going to be a lot nicer. Yeah, well, hopefully it is. So the way the podcast is going to work is that we're just going to actually really delve into who Adam Beckworth is and where your sporting career and how different parts of your life and things that have shaped you into, you know, the coach you've become, but also the person that you've become. So um, you're born in, what are you, 101 now? (laughs) Very funny. Got a few grey hairs. Uh, 1976 uh, in June uh, in, in Geelong. In Geelong. Um, so you've lived in Geelong all your life um, or were you living around Geelong suburbs or somewhere? Yeah, so uh, mum and dad is John and Deidre, um, born in Geelong. We moved to Grovedale for a very short amount of time um, and then we moved down to Ocean Grove where we stayed down there for many years. Um, it could have would have been 20 years and then... The uh, family and also myself is we moved into Geelong and um, that's where we're based now in Geelong. Nice one, nice one. So living down Ocean Grove would have um, moulded some of your sporting attributes, especially your swimming. Um, A lot of people don't know how much of a good swimmer you actually were or still are. Um, I've known yeah. for a long time how good it is swim, but I think you know, surf, surf swimming and open water swimming, a lot of people yeah. don't understand that you were quite competitive. Yeah, and it, um, I think it all came about for the love of the ocean, being down there. Um, dad got me into surfing. Mum and dad always took me down the beach. Uh, Mum says I stood up on a surfboard at age four because the water was too cold, so therefore <laughs> I started surfing then. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 and I... Yeah, real soft person I am like that. So anyway, um, yeah, into surfing and um, with that um, came swimming. Um, swimming really came about was because 
over in Hong Kong where on a family holiday when I was age nine and I ended up with an irritable hip. So I was limping around a lot and mum and dad just was wondering what was going on. So when I got back to Australia, I was diagnosed with it, went in traction in hospital for nine days and then ended up being on crutches for six months to take the pressure off the hip. And so therefore I had to choose something that wasn't um, impeding on the body uh, the pounding of it. So yeah, mum and dad steered me towards swimming. Um, first swimming competition, I was invited to join a relay at the Victorian country championships and the rest is history. Just really enjoyed it. Um, surfing wise, I still kept surfing all the way through. And then, um, yeah, I would say probably accidentally won a state title when I was 12 um, didn't really do much else after that in the surfing, just love of it. So the ocean wise is that that's where I love the ocean because of surfing. I can read the ocean and then went into life-saving, which complemented, well, not really complimented my swimming, but as part of it, I just enjoyed the ocean, thought we could do surf life-saving. So I did that from uh, age, it would have been age 13 to 16 and uh, competed there for Anglesey Surf Life-Saving Club. Um, that was, I just loved the variation of it. And I was probably, when I look back at it now, that was my first love for a multi-sport. You know, there's, there we had this board paddling, um, in there where at my age, then it wasn't ski paddling, um, at that stage, but, uh, yeah, you had your swimming and then your running as well. So just loved how you had so many events that you did during it. Um, and so to play a little bit of footy. Uh, parents, uh, because of my hip, kept me away from footy uh, till age 12 and then played football all the way till I was 16. But for me, it was just I was injury prone. Always ended up getting injured with footy. Um, still was good enough. And at some stage, I was invited down to the under-15s, um, which is yeah, the Geelong team down there. It's funny, I found a letter the other day with Stephen Wells's name at the bottom inviting me down and now he's a, le- a legend at Geelong um, with all the recruits. So, but yeah, I don't think I would have had much luck at the old footy with being injured, um, breaking bones and cracking ribs. It, it sort of, it swayed me towards triathlons in some ways too. Uh, so you, with your surf life saving and um, your swimming, you said you went to Victorian countries on a relay team. What was your – what events did you really enjoy with your surf life-saving or your um, swimming more than – because you talked about board paddling and things like that. What was the one yep. event you enjoyed probably more? Yeah, so, I mean, freestyle was my uh, my main stroke and um, I got, I'd actually cut it all the way down so I didn't do any other strokes during a, during a session. So it, it would – say I would say probably the That's 100 like metres was now the, as well. Yeah, no, you always need to be specific, know what you're good at. So, um, yeah, so the, I would say that eventually, you know, at age eight, I went to the Victorian Country Championships for the first time. And then I went on to states, never made it to nationals from a qualif- to qualify at all. Um, and with that, just, yeah, just the 100 metres was the one thing I specialised in. I love the relays. That was great to lead home in those. And whether you're trying to, keep the lead or chase someone down was really exciting for me. Um, with the life-saving, I enjoyed, which it was called the cadets, the under-15s at that stage. 
and you, you uh, the Ironman was the swim and just the board. Um, and so I, I found that quite good. I loved it when it was rough out there and it was lots of waves. Um, I really enjoyed that. And, and I probably would have enjoyed going on and learning the ski paddle and, and that's the thing. But for me, I was at age 16, 17, it was time to specialise in a sport um, that I really loved and I wanted to go forward on. And to me, I always loved competing at the high level or trying to reach the high level. Um, swimming set me a really good base and it does for, for anyone I feel because you can go off and do any sport. Um, even from a running perspective, swimming can help you aerobically. So every year I go to Victorian Country Championships. Um, Dad became my swimming coach. Um, yeah, and then, and then life-saving as well and went to the point of making a Victorian team. As a 14-year-old, um, they only selected one under 15, so that was quite exciting to be selected in that. Um, yeah, and swam all the way up competitively until I was 17. And then <clears throat> just the triathlons and you just do uh, the more training for the other disciplines took over and I saw many people like uh, a Tim Bentley who was – part of the main uh, sport of triathlon throughout Australia and made Australian teams and I wanted to be like him and travelled overseas as well. So, yeah, that that's a little bit of a snippet of what I did in sport as a teenager. So with um, triathlon, you know, you said you swam competitive up until you were about 16. When did you start triathlon then, um, doing your first triathlon and what age sort of age? Yeah. Yeah, I had to look back through the albums the other day. Um, to, did you get the, old, uh, get the old photos, the archives yet, did you? Yeah. Oh, Johnny Beckworth, uh, <clears throat> good on you, Dad, for uh, keeping uh, the album going and the certificates. And um, you forget so easily when you did start things and he had the old certificates of getting fifth at the Milo Triathlons, um, which was a, the junior event that everyone did way back then. And I can even... There's a local guy, Brett Rakini, and he was dominating the sport. And I, I just saw an article just before on on um, on him and, and my name being mentioned. And there's even Tristan Reed as well, yeah. the manager of the Geelong, Geelong College pool. I, I remember he, Brett um, Rakini racing uh, the Tui's Blue. That's yes. one of the reasons I first got into it was, you know, watching the Tui's Blue on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon. And it was such a great event to watch and, I think, I'm oh, sorry, it's a bit off topic, but I think that's something that we miss nowadays with triathlon is that those sort of events, which would be amazing yeah, to get back. because it's exactly, and they're local. So it was yeah. a, a local in Australia. So it was an Australian event and you had all the best in Australia um, getting showcased on TV. And, you know, Brett, Brett Rakini was just lived up the road from me. He was like 1K away and I swam with him um all through my teenage years with him as well and then yeah I mentioned the Tim Bentley before and he's on that too he's the two he's blue as well and I'm like wow and so cool and then at a as a um a 19 year old 20 year old I was able to do some training with the, those guys they do these really short races and the 200 swim and a, a 6k ride and then a 2k run and it was just flat out as you probably remember and of, of watching it, and um, it was just inspiring. And then you had the Peter Robinson that came along after that. He just just would go hell for leather. And he, he was a year older than me, and it was just amazing that over a short distance he could take on the world's best 
and um, and just develop himself. So hopefully one day we get that back up and running in Australia. Uh, and it, it was just really good for the Australian triathlon scene. It was such an amazing concept for people that don't know that even one they had in a velodrome, they stuck a pool, a portable pool in the middle of the velodrome. They raced, they swam, they got on the bikes, raced around a velodrome. They even had, remember the old, they had the turning, so they had like a half velodrome sort of thing. They rode up mm. and around it and, um, <clears throat> and then it turned to the St. Yeah. George series, which they held down Geelong and they had the yep. Eliminators and, you know, Enduros yep. and it was, they were just so, such great events to watch and so spectator-friendly. Yeah. Um, correct, correct. And uh, as you said, I mean, like Peter Robinson, he, everyone just loved it because he just put it on the line and you could tell he'd run up to people when he was miles behind out of transition, but next he was taking on the world's best and trying to run that person into the ground and then they'd surge and everyone would want him just to hang on. And even um, the, yeah, Bevins, it, yeah. the Bevins and the Welshers and the Miles Stewart and then you had Levi yeah. Maxwell who, you know, and they yep. all had funny names and they all had Speedos on and Courtney Atkinson, yep. you know. Yep. There's, they were just, they weren't worried. They just put it on the line and there was no judgment. If they hung on for the day, they hung on for the day. If they didn't, they didn't. Hmm. Each of them had a, a leg that they were extremely strong with. And, um, yeah, and that and that's the sort of thing that pushed a lot of juniors like yourself and I to want to be part of the sport and want to do be like them. Um, it, it's, it can be hard out there these days with the sport, whether it's diluted or not, I'm not too sure, but I think it's just more to do with it. We had something nationally, um, and, and yeah, so I was lucky enough to eventually race in the Accenture series and have a pro license that I decided to take up for a season. And, um, it is cool. It's, it's, it would felt so good just to race the best people used to watch. Uh, and, and I remember one of the races I did do in St Kilda and that was, um, televised on TV. Um, and it was short and sharp and, to be honest, I was just way out of my depth at that point. I just hadn't, didn't have enough development in my training. And, um, but I, I came from, I got involved in the sport when it was non-drafting sport. And then as you got closer to the 2000 Olympics, it became drafting for elites. So it was a real change, um, that happened. And it was, it's, it was good to be part, part of. You would have been um, yeah, through. It, it was all. a big upheaval in the nineties of the sport. It was only still a young sport when it got into the Olympics. I think it'd been around for 20, yes. 20 years, and yeah, they had to change the sport from yeah non drafting to drafting to make it more um, yeah, television friendly. Just, yeah, and I think what it is that everyone started, more people got involved. Everyone became just as good, so there was packs developing anyway out of the swim. And so they said, well, we'll just might as well make it, you can draft in these elite races. And, um, yeah, it, it's still evolving. You, you can still see it. And I did see it evolve where for me locally, um, it, it would be, it was no good being a strong swimmer. I mean, you get out of the water and you're 20, 30 seconds ahead out, out of the water in the elites and no one's there with you. And to the point where then five years later, suddenly they're, they were getting faster swimmers in triathlons. So then you'd have two to five people with you 
and oh, then, then I turned up. A, a breakaway. Yeah, well, that's right. You know, put you out the front as a workhorse, and away we go. So, um, yeah, so it was. It evolved in many ways like that, which was great to see because it it was, from my point of view, getting quite annoying that there was no advantage in the swim um, to them where there was, and so at a state level, that is, um, yeah. And, and the sport evolved to that where people got used to it, knew that they could work as teams to work away. Um, people were strong enough to ride that way as well. And, um, yeah, and you, you, you'd have a really good chance of not being run down. Um, yeah, so which happened a few times in, in the local races, which is great. Uh, so we'll go back just a little bit. Um, so you were doing triathlon during your high school days and you would have made Victorian team a couple of times. What was that like? And who were some of the athletes that you might have competed against or were on the same team as? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it was the junior race that you, I did in, uh, 1990, but then made the, um, Victorian team in 94 when my, when I was in year 12. Um, yeah. So I made the Victorian team there. That was great. Um, I don't think Luke Bell wasn't making the team then. It was a bit later on, but there were some other people in there. Uh, Peter Robinson didn't cause he was older. Um, I'm just trying to think through, oh, well, Court, Courtney, uh, Courtney Atkinson didn't, he was in the Queensland team, but I saw him at age 14 and you're like, wow, you could really see that. And people were talking about him and you could see that he would go somewhere in the sport and, you can see now he's a household name out there um, and everything that he does. Was um, Craig Mottram part of that Victorian team as well? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, no. So there was another local guy, Cam Anderson, down here. He went on to um, race a lot of professional races around us, around the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, yeah, Craig Mottram, famous runner. Um, yeah, I think he would have been age 13 then. A little tucker. I was age 17. Um, yeah, but uh, then became very good friends with him over the years and he was part of the Geelong Triathlon Club. And, um, yeah, so that that's amazing, isn't it, yeah, to, to be around those sort of people and see that, yeah, he was he became just an amazing runner, but um, he was also a very good triathlete. Yeah. Um, one of these people you just spoke about then was Cam Anderson and, for the people out there that don't know, Cam Anderson was a local Geelong athlete. He um, was a very good athlete. He went to Lausanne World Champs as a junior in 1998, which was actually won by Courtney. Um, yes. But you've done a lot of travelling and things with Cam as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. No, we used to do oh, – there was another guy from Warrnambool, Christian McCartney. Um, and Cam and we would go to a lot of the national races, but I mean, we would race together in the elite section, uh, in, yeah, within the state. And then, um, if nationally we'd go and race age group and we did go to, um, Perth in 2000 and race in a world champs there in the age group team. And, uh, old Lukey Bell was just coming through there too. He was in our age group. Uh, yeah. And Cam, Cam was an amazing, uh, athlete with a swimmer and biker and yeah he made the Australian junior elite team and then yeah as I mentioned before he went on and raced a few world cups 
um yeah along the way and we would just go together like I, I dropped back to doing age group racing and they would still race pro but we'd still travel to different races around the national series um there was yeah there was a number of people that would do that so you've gone from gone from the victorian team now you're starting to uh try and race nationally as you said as age group and then you had that one year um racing professionally within australia Tell me about the process of actually how you got your professional license because it is quite difficult for the some people that don't actually realise it. Yeah, so it was at the national championships. Um, I did get third there. So uh, what, back that year and maybe a couple of years before that and after, it was a little bit easier than it, than it is now. Um, not to say that I wasn't up to it. Um, you know, in Geelong, oh. I was able to come out of transition onto the bike fourth um, in front of a Miles Stewart and in front of a Chris McCormack and uh, and uh, the Courtney Atkins and Peter Robinson. <laughs> Let's say I didn't last very long there. One lap and uh, there's a lot of people coming through. Um, yeah, I just didn't develop. I just didn't have the bike strength then and just didn't have the right sessions under me that I did from 20, age 24 onwards. Um, yeah, so... That was, yeah, that, so the national age group championships, that's where I qualified. I could have qualified again um, for the net, I think it was two seasons later. Um, But with my current coach then, it was just decided that, you know, what value do I get out of it in going to a national race? If I had a perfect race, I'd get 20th. Um, What enjoyment. A lot of other times I'd be just chasing my tail um yeah so what what would be out and and it was the best decision ever because then when i went to all these age group national age group races and also the world age group championships i was just able to develop myself without the extra pressure whereas i saw the other guys in the pro professional ranks nationally and they were just putting themselves under the pump all the time and you could see when they go to races and they're just a little bit off and they'd be just yeah, exhausted at, even if, you know, before the bike legs finished, they're totally exhausted, um, blown up, all those sort of things. And, and I still got to have the taste of racing in the elite section and racing against some of the best in the world in the state series, and which is a two-time Jew series now. And it's so good that someone like Dave Hansen that had the Gatorade series running for so long and he set up what we do now have – is a two times U series. So, and you can junior elites, you know, people travel interstate to race at the two times U series. And it, it was just a, it was a pretty exciting time when it was the first thing coming, you know, first uh, draft drafting season. And it was pretty cool to be involved in it all. It's up high pace. Um, yeah. And, and everyone found it quite exciting. So yeah, that, that's a, that's all what I went chasing and um yeah. But then I, I then traveled um yeah to the national to, to the world championships to many of them. I think we were just talking before um how we went through them all. Um, yeah, so you yeah, had your so first one at in Perth? Is that the Montreal. One? No, Montreal. 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 So yeah, so And that's Montreal, one of the best things about Oh sorry, I was gonna say that's one of the best things I always talk about with people is they go, why triathlon? I go, it's allowed me to travel the world. Like, oh, I could play footy, but I, I, 
yeah. you know, I've been able to travel the world and see so many things. And I think you're a bit the same with this. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, you go, I mean, life-saving travel a little bit, but not as much. And that's what I kind of looked at it as well. And the triathlons, I saw that the Timmy Bentley and he's going over to France and I think he went there 12 years in a row. So that means he didn't see a, a winter for, <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't, he didn't see a winter for that long. And I was like, how cool is that? And you keep fit and you get to race and be competitive and, and all those sort of things. So, um, but yeah, I went to Montreal in 99. Um, that was pretty cool. And I never would have gone there. We raced around the F1 um, track and they had, uh, they had the rowing facility there. That's where we did the swim. And then we did nine laps of the F1 Grand Prix track um, and then did a run around that area. And you, you, as you've been to Worlds as well, you get to race yourself and then you get to watch the elites afterwards. But I just wouldn't have gone to Montreal. They could There's no players. way. And then, we, well, that's right. That, 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 that's the uh, reward that we get from all that, isn't it? You work so hard and you can just let the hair down. And with many people like-minded who have worked so hard and they've travelled from all around the world, which is pretty cool as well, that you get to meet people from different countries. And on the way back, we went to Honolulu, um, my wife and I. So a Penny was a girlfriend then. And, uh, yeah, so... We, we got to holiday there as well. I got a taste for Honolulu, which I went back and did the world championships with you uh, as well, Anthony. So, um, yeah, but after that, year after was 2000 um, in Perth. Uh, I can remember trying to qualify for it. Um, Geelong was going to be my race to qualify at and the, the back wheel was rubbing and so to stop and start it and the race was gone after that. So I wasn't... Yeah, I was a uni student, not a lot of money. Mum and dad were knew there was a bit of disappointment there, and that get to Perth, it's such a you know, it's a world champs in in your um, country, so you have to travel as far. So they they were really nice in giving a bit of money for me to go down to Devonport and qualify down there, making top three, and then um, yeah, going to the world champs with and and we I end up going. We stayed in this apartment it was like a one bedroom apartment that could fit oh, I reckon we had 15 people there and um it was just you know just beds everywhere and yeah as I mentioned one of the guys Luke Bell um who went on to be a professional and a lot of people were here him out and about these days and then Christian McCartney that was also a bit of a legend at the Gatorade series um and I was trying to think uh there was a, yeah, and the number of other athletes, and then they, they had their partners partners there as well. So, yeah, two thousand was Perth. Um, then two thousand and three, two or three, three two thousand three was Queenstown. Um, had really good form going into that. I suddenly in Noosa was like a month out from it, and did Noosa, and and uh, I think I did one fifty four there for an Olympic distance. Had the uh, swimming was just going unbelievably there, and I had the second fastest swim overall behind Craig Walton. I was thirty seconds in front of um, was a Courtney Atkinson and a lot of other guys who were heading off the Olympics. Just had a don't know. It was just probably it was just then the swim just clicked, and I worked a bit harder on it. Um, that there I had had qualified for a pro license, but decided not to take that up. Um, but yeah, went to Queenstown. 
didn't enjoy it a lot. It was fairly cold. I really, I enjoy the warm weather races. So there was 11 degrees in the lake where you swam. You had to run up this big hill. And then I was about that up to up the hill and it's about 11 degrees for the whole race. And, um, and yeah. And if, if anyone's never seen the footage of that race, you can actually, um, triathlon, um, sorry, the ITU have actually got that race up. So you can actually go and see the, uh, men's and women's pro races like you can for any of the world championships mm. races. Uh, but it, the footage of it is amazing. Like it is a beautiful part of the world, but it yeah. just, when you watch, watch it, you go, wow. It was amazing. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, it is a very beautiful town, very beautiful place. Um, you know, you're wearing your wetsuit hood to try and keep warm. You, you do a bit of a warm up and all sorts of things, but you just, and that it rained that day too. So people were putting on rain jackets coming out of the water and, I just, yeah, for me, that's not triathlon. So um, that's why I really enjoyed 2005, which was Honolulu World Championships. Oh, just not because you were there, Anthony. Oh, Matty Madonna um, was there. And, uh, well, yeah, well, he's, you know, he was a draw card out of it all. So, um, yeah, so it was just, it was like Honolulu. Of course we're going to go there. Of course it's nice and warm. Um, what why wouldn't you go there? And it was too, it was like, yeah, it was pretty surreal when you go from somewhere like Queenstown that's so cold and it was warm in, in Honolulu, but, um, you raced early in, in the morning. In, so it was a bit cooler than when I raced. Yeah. 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 And the humidity's up as well there. Um, I mean, we, we did a bit of heat training to help that. And I, I did a lot of learning there. And that's what it's sort of things that we pass on to all the athletes the different learnings that we did in preparation um, for events like that and coming out of um, the Australian winter and then racing in October, which is like Hawaii. Um, yeah, but I had like, yeah, that was my best world championships. Um, yeah, that was my best world championships out of it all where I was able to play second. Um, I was only 30, didn't realise, but I was 30 seconds behind uh, the winner. And the winner um, was? Jimmy Vance. So uh, why why uh, did I bring up his name for? Because what is he now f- known for? Well, he's now known as a quite a oh, whether you call it famous or not, but he's a big coach over in uh, America, and he coaches Ben Canute, and uh, improved him a lot. He's a um, also consults with Stride, um, running running wattage, um, wattage for running. Uh, yeah, so. And it just, I mean, yeah, he, he, he ran 33 and a half. Um, I ran 34.10, which is the fastest they've ever run by a minute 20. Um, yeah, but just went there really. It was just clicked for that day. And I can even remember being on the start line and getting ready. And I don't know, it felt so calm and just full calmness came over me. And... I do remember as well, it was the, and I don't mind sharing this, is that it was, I was thinking about my mum, my mum who had cancer and she'd recovered. And no, a lot of those things is she just showed how strong she was. And for me, it was like, yeah, I'm doing it for you, mum. I don't know why I thought that way, but it was just, you know, you use things as drivers for yourself in sport. And, um, yeah, it just felt right. 
it just felt right. And yeah, but been in saying that, I had a good swim. Um, I did come out of the water and my uh, timing chip had come off my, my leg and I'm like, oh my God. And so I've grabbed my bike and I'm running out of transition. The officials stopped me and going, hey, 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 you need to. I'm like, what? I've got to get going, got to get going. They go, no, no, you need to put one on. And I'm just like, yeah, I end up <laughs> said, oh, you just lost me the world championships, mate. Um, which got me in a bit of trouble later on for just saying that. To, that needs to go on a quote wall somewhere. I do remember you oh, telling us that story. Goodness <laughs> me. I'm the one who um, lose me shit at the officials. Oh, but that's all I said. I just said it in that way. And um, so, yeah, strapped the timing chip on. I've headed out on the bike and a few people are passing me and I'm thinking, oh, I put all this work in. I've worked hard. I felt good on the bike. I'm feeling really bad right now. And why people, is this going to be just one of those races all over again? Um, but the bend the bike leg became really good for me. Um, there was like a whole lot of us that jumped off the bike and I just took off and ran into first place and didn't know about Jimmy Vance in any way, but yeah, no, he was, went on and did a, you know, he was quite a good athlete himself in 70.3s later in his career. And yeah, but the, he ran past me and I'm like, yeah, keep it cool, keep it cool. And so from there, you get a little bit of a stomach cramp. So I just pulled it back just slightly saying, yep, second place. And I ran around after the first lap and went past the crowd. And as I got to it, I'm like, okay, keep, you know, people get razzed up around the crowd, keep nice and calm, keep nice and calm. So I did. And yeah, just for that day, uh, the run came together and I held on and was very surprised from it all. And yeah, it, that, that was just, you know, it's where you just keep going back every time. You just keep going back and you keep preparing the best way you can rock up to a race and you just never want know what's going to happen on that day. And, um, yeah, that led into, uh, many other adventures after that. Yeah. So, um, you then decided to go overseas, which is a big decision in any way. Cause you, at this stage you had a young family, um, which we'll probably talk about your family a little bit later, but, you had a young family. Taj was just born at this stage when you first went over to France. Uh, no, or? no, that was no, that was a year later. Year so later for that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, oh, I've got some good results here. Um, I'll apply, uh, um, yeah, for a team. I hear about a local person that's doing that, and I. Oh, sorry, when you mean you mean a, a team? Oh, sorry, you mean a team over in France? Yep. So, um, yeah, you went, over, you went over to France to race on the local circuit. Um, yeah, that's right. So you apply for a team over there to race for a professional team and some people get in and some people don't. And so, yeah, I was um, applied for it, got accepted. And at that stage, I was I had been running my, uh, would be would have been for four or five years, my web development business that I created out of uni because dad said, you need to get a job, son. You're not going to be a professional triathlete. Um, so so, what, so did you do, said, yeah, what did you do at uni then? Um, I did a Bachelor of Commerce and I majored in marketing, marketing and e-commerce. Uh, yeah, so they, they started introducing that and apparently the internet was going to be big. Um, so I thought it would be exciting to be involved in. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> so, and I needed a job and I needed to make some money. So I created my own web business that I, I ended up running for um, 17 years. And, um, yeah, but I, I was working at, um, 
at that stage, I'd gone into an accounting firm, uh, a local one, actually, Davidson's Accounting, and I was working under their roof for their clients. And, um, and I had this opportunity. And then I had a house loan as well. Um, we, and, uh, yeah, so at that stage, yeah, I was, we had got married that year um, to my lovely wife, Penny, and um, and our eldest Shay, she would have been. So this will test me, won't it? Um, she was nine, nine years old, and so I was risking it by suddenly telling telling work that I'm going to go away for six months. Um, I've got this opportunity, and and I just waited up, and I'm like, what's the worst case scenario? I talked to my coach, um, who was up in Melbourne, and. And just said to him, and I said, I just, this is what I've always dreamed to do. I've dreamed to do this. I saw Tim Bentley do it many, many years ago. And I'd really love to know what it's all about and go over there. And so then, yeah, I said yes to it and then started prepping and um, yeah, had a lot of people who were backing me to go and do it. And even my accountant as well. Um, yeah, Clinton Fraser was quite a good support um, with it all. And, and also my boss, Peter Rankin, who, who was the um, CEO of Davidson's, they were really encouraging of it all. So I really do appreciate that. And, um, yeah, went over to France and raced, as, and raced and trained and lived like a pro and went to races and you do ch- um, cherry picking, trying to find money where it is and see if you can place or, um, yeah, win a race to uh yeah gather some money together and accommodation was provided um entries were provided and full entries as well so um Um, yeah that was a great experience so the team you went and raced for was uh Cesson Savine which was a Hmm. a little local club outside of a major city of Rennes which is in the region of Brittany now Brittany is famous for which books Adam do you know this Famous for which books? Yes. I know they're famous for, the, for their savoury crepes. Oh, and their cider as well. Up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, uh, no, tell me, Anthony, what, what books are they famous for? They are famous for the Asterix comics. Oh, there you go. Yes, the wow. only little Gaul village that couldn't be taken over by the Romans. Okay. Yes. Very fascinating. I can see why you're a teacher. I mean, just, <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the way to explain Cesson Zavine, the little it's like a little village. Um, Ren is like a Geelong, so a, a, yep. a rural Uni- major city. Town. Yeah, yep. where and Cesson's like your um, like your Lara, really. It was just a small little town, didn't have much at Correct. all. Um, yes, yeah, and you would have lived in Ren. Yeah, so we I lived in Ren. Um, Luckily, they put me up in an apartment where when Penny and Shay came over, and um, so it was two months. And it the um, it was just uh, I was just really lucky from the point of view as well as I mentioned before, Christian McCartney. Um, he raced for the same team, and I found out later it's very rare for sometimes this to happen, and that's where the Australians get quite lonely over there, and um, you know not many friends and also the, the 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 language barrier i mean they can speak some english but not all the time and so and then also yeah you just you miss home on it so yeah amazing i said to chris so i said oh hey mate at one of the races i hear you're in a team and he's like yeah, yeah i'm going to a team i said what team and he said talks this on and i said no way he goes yeah and it was the best thing ever 
like we just got on so well. Um, he lived in a different apartment and, but we just trained together and we raced together and just the adventures we would have. And he's just happy go lucky. Um, and, and it just made it a really fun time there. So yeah, we are in an apartment. You didn't have a car. We borrowed the team bus a few times. Um, we did that in traveling and there, there was a, uh, was it, there was a New Zealand, uh, lady there. Um, and actually there was another Australian that came along as well. So, um, Cam, Cam Bartram actually that I, uh, caught up with a couple of years ago and yeah, so we traveled down to the Alps together. Um, that was pretty cool as well. We went away for two weeks or maybe three, I think I can't remember exactly, but we did some camping and, um, and stayed in, in different areas and bottom of Alpe d'Huez, which was pretty cool to watch. Um, yeah, so that and they do a triathlon there that, that you did, uh, Anthony, and I watched Christian do that. Um, that race wasn't for me, so uh, yeah, it's a pretty tough one. I don't think it's for many people, but it's all about the experience of just saying you've well, going to do true. it. Um, true. If people yeah. want to see some of Adam and Christian's adventures, just look on his Facebook page and some of the photos. <laughs> but yes, um, I used to love getting the emails and all the photos from both of you. And it just seemed like such a great experience and a great time to be over there and enjoying culture. And, you know, people say, oh, they've travelled to France, they've been to Paris, but I think once you get out of Paris into rural areas of France, it's a totally different experience. I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's right. And, and they're so accommodating. They just in there. Yeah. As you talked about in the rural areas that they just love the Australians. They really do. They've got a lot of time. They're really kind hearted and the way they go about things for you. And yeah, but like with Christian, there was always an adventure. There was always, you know, just the way his race panned out or the way he explained it and things that would happen during it. and But that even that was in the daily week as well. I remember we went to inquire about uh, renting a car to take to a race. And um, and I was just I was just stupid and leaving my bike out the front there. But we watched some guy suss out all these bikes and then we saw him starting to go for my bike. And him and I run out there and we've done that big karate chop on him. <laughs> going, hey, what are you doing, mate? And some uni student trying to steal my bike, but he knew exactly what he was doing. But just things like that, um, just funny adventures with Chris and uh, Mont Saint-Michel was the amazing sort of place we went to with a, a big uh, castle on top of a, an, uh, was it? It's a monastery. It a rock yeah, monastery, yeah. Monastery. yeah. But, just, but just like an area that you're supposed to pay to go in, of course, Chris, <laughs> finds a way how to get in there without paying. You found some hole near a tree that goes through another wall and you go through the back area and then act as if you're getting in. And I went through um, that area as well and you're climbing up through the forest and then you jump a fence and um, yeah, just little things like that. So it's uh, he's a funny man and he provides a lot of enjoyment for a lot of people. So that was that was just a, an amazing – and I – I said, uh, I've got to go back like the second year. I've got to just enjoy the racing, enjoy the people, enjoy the lifestyle of it all. 
Um, and the second year we went back and that's when uh, Taj, yeah, Taj was born just before we left. And um, so when we did leave, he was four weeks old. Penny and I did it pretty tough. I would say more Penny did. Um, you know, for me, and it was the same as the first year, family is really important. And, and I wanted Penny and Shay to come over in the first year and they did for two months. Um, Penny was amazing how she just made it work with with her work at the bank and negotiate things with that. And, um, yeah, she got to experience a lot in the second year coming over with, with Shay as well. And I just didn't want to miss out on Taj growing up, but I just knew it was an opportunity that I just didn't want to miss France racing again. They're just the way they run it. They close towns down to, to put an event on the mayor comes out, the committee comes out. Um, you get presented up on stage. If you get top 10, um it yeah and they, as and you they know, love the australians too so this is the thing i found is yeah even i might have been just placing and they want to chat to you and you're like oh, yeah haven't had a great race and they're like we don't care just talk to nice. us yeah and it's really cool that they want to learn they want to learn other about other cultures and australians we're probably we're happy go lucky and they they know we're open to yeah chatting away and um, that that's a really cool thing about, um, and that's you said before, is that when you get out to the rural areas and you can, you really get to know the culture. And and you know we we've got two um, French guys at the moment who are part of the club. Um, one uh, with with Ludo, he's over in Toulouse still, and um, yeah, and just, as well, and Thibault, yeah, and he's yeah. in Geelong, so. Um, it, it's quite, quite interesting and I had contact actually from someone from the town of Wren um, about me coaching them the other day. So, yeah, nah, France and as for you as well, has got a soft spot in our heart. Um, but, yeah, as I said before, with family, I wanted to watch Taj grow up. Didn't want to miss out on him in his first three months. So we made it work um, and that was hard work the second year. I went over there and still ran my internet business with web designing. I was on Skype calls to IMG um, about doing, because they were running the Ironmans and doing email email outs for them. Um, I'd wake up and I actually didn't tell them. And the lady I dealt with, she's like, um, are you overseas at the moment? And are you in France? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I am actually. But I'll get your work done. Don't you worry about that. And I just had to because I need the money coming in. But I didn't. I just made everything work. Have the family there. Watch Taj grow up. Have Shay around. Have Penny around. Um, do the work and still get to race in France. It was um, yeah. And I look back on it now, and it's just no regrets. No regrets at all. Yeah, it's, it would have been such a wonderful experience for your family as well. So mm. just two years over in France. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yep, just two eight years over in France and then came back and just raced the local series. And I know one thing I said to myself is like, it was a bit outlandish, but I said, oh, first time I went, look, I don't care what happened. I'll come back and I'll work 70 hours a week. Mm. I'll, I'll, if things fall apart, I'll work, you know, I'll dig my way out of it if, I, if things don't go right. And I came back and everything was fine. It was just... Now, nothing had changed in Australia and, and very lucky that I had someone who employed me that they felt a, it was a bit of a surprise that I was going to go out on my own, but I just felt like I needed my own direction, but so supportive and still have been. And 
it's just, you know, you surround yourself with great people and that's what happens, I suppose. So, yeah, and then it was just after that, um, it was, yeah, racing age group still, um, racing nationally as, a, as an age grouper, um, racing in the elite section still to I think I was 35 um, that I raced and then it just became too full on. Like, you know, had okay. people – Brendan Sexton turn up, you know, and he's sprinting at three minutes per K pace to the transition and it's just racing went to another level. Yeah, and I think the last, you were an open age champion at Noosa one year and when was your last Australian title you won as well? Yeah, that's true. So 2007 was the Noosa one where I took out the open category. Um, There's a very good photo of that for people as well as Adam running in a transition helping someone unzip their suit. No, that was actually someone oh. else who did. I was, oh. I was sitting behind them going, oh. hey, guys, what's going on here? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I thought you were, thought, I'm yeah. trying to make you sound like yeah. a good bloke. No, no. Well, there was two two Queenslanders. Yeah. Um, Adam Fitzkelly was one, I think. Yeah. And, and I can't. I, he, yes, I know who you're talking yes, about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and he'll, yeah. and I even saw him about six months ago, that guy. So, um, so my apologies for forgetting. But, um, yeah, then, then I was very lucky to run past them and I think I ended up winning by 10 seconds. And, you know, again, you just turn up and have a go and see what happens. Only great um, people there. can podium at the Noosa Open. Well, that's right, Anthony. You did very well there one year as well. So you must have had a good coach. Um that's what it would have been. Yeah, so no, but then, um, yeah, won a few Australian titles and, um, yeah, and then eventually dropped back to just age group racing, which is quite refreshing because it was just becoming too up ante um, for me. It was just chasing the tail like nothing. I mean, I still had a couple of good results um, and I think I might have, I can't remember exactly, but I got second down at Port Arlington in the elite race down there. Um, I think you had a third. Yeah, I was behind Christian. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I did that. And that that was, yeah, very surreal for me to lead. I mean, I was with with another guy, Mitchie Dean, and him and I, and, well, I would say I sat on his wheel and he did all the work and smashed it out, Um, got off the bike, and then I was leading the run for 3K, which was very surreal for me. And then they had a Craig McKenzie who would – like run unbelievably. Uh, I mean, he's always, he was always running low 15s off the bike for 5K. Um, so he picked me up along the way. And, um, yeah, yeah, there was little things that popped up along the way like that with those results. And they were unexpected again. I just rocked up and had a go. And um, I must say, oh, you know, that was a big difference between me in my early 20s to mid-20s onwards is um, – I did trim down a fair bit and then that was to do with my coach as well. And we didn't go extreme, but he just said it, it's a point of difference of racing at the top level. And, um, yeah, but I would have been seven kilos lighter than what I would normally be. Some people were like, what's happened to you? Where's Adam Beckworth? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> so, but it did make a big difference. And, um, and it was amazing how I could continue that from, as I said, we would have been age 25 seeing those differences. And I went through broken collarbones um, in December and still coming out of that, out of December and then racing in March, late March at, at Moolaba where the national championships used to be always be. That was the last race of the season. People loved it. They went there. 
you let your hair down afterwards. But yeah, I got a national championships at that one. So that was, um, again, yeah, just the ups and downs of it all. But I just, like you, just love the sport, love the people, love the challenge. Um, there's always something different out there and it, it just feels great to be you know, fit and healthy um, around some good people. And you've been lucky to have a very supportive uh, family behind you as well. Not only your mum and dad, you've also got a sister, but your lovely wife, Penny, who's been around yes. for, must be 20 years now. 20 yeah, years? Well, we go, well, we work off, uh, well, my eldest, Shay, will work off her age. So 24 years. 24, 24 years. years. So, yeah, so I'm 24 that this year. So, yeah, I know. I don't know how I, it's it's probably because I'm out training a lot is the best thing. So, <laughs> a lot of five places will realise that is uh, yeah they don't get sick of us too much. So um, yeah she, yeah no she's been amazing and she just like a lot of people have their partners who say you know you do what you love doing I'll support you all the way um, yeah and and their family you know mum and dad were always there and um, saying that you know. You do what you enjoy, go attack it. But they were very supportive about sport. I mean, a lot of fathers love sports, so they love watching their sons get out there and do it. And dad was, I mean, dad took up swim coaching uh, at when I was 10 years old and he coached. He only he only retired last year um, from swimming coaching, but he only did it, again, because a lot of fathers is that they they go, well, I'm here anyway. I might as well do something and they get involved in coaching and dad was, yeah, my swim coach all the way through until, um, yeah, until pretty much the coaching group grew. Um, I was swimming with him and, and uh, yeah, so, and he's had that good influence on me, calming influence on me and taking me here. But also they weren't that demanding on, you know, you get your schooling done, but, Know, around the house, they were quite, they were very, very good with me. And my sister tells me a lot about that. Um, is that, yeah, yeah, you didn't have to do much around the house. They, that's you, why you uh, probably Penny is very good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, in the later years, yeah, yeah. I'm now, yeah, Adam, you have to do a lot more. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> no. I was actually looking through um, some of the, your Facebook photos and one popped up from Shane Holiday, and it, the caption was, Adam can cook dot 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 a little <laughs> and yeah. I always remember traveling with you was Adam just sit down we will cook <laughs> and you're like okay yeah yeah no I did it quite well that way I, I can cook I just make sure I do it really badly so no one else wants me to cook again so <laughs> you know you all got to play your part and I was the uh steady rock in a lot of the uh trips away and we had everyone who did their little bits and pieces one guy was a social organizer another was organizing food in the house and um yeah that's what makes a happy trip yeah that's correct you're always one to make sure we went and got a coffee as well oh yeah it's most definitely you need to have that so it's uh, all about the balance yeah now we did have some amazing trips away um but moving on um to you've spoken about your dad being your swimming coach who are some other coaches that you've had over the years that have moulded you into the person you are now because um, a lot of time is a coach is someone you spend actually a lot of time with or speaking to. And sometimes you spend a lot more yeah. time with them than 
your actual family. Very true. Very true. Um, and your parents and that. Yeah. You, you, well, I mean, yeah. So dad, I was around a lot for swimming and he became the swimming coach and I swam competitively all the way to 17 and same with life saving. He was there taking me around. My sister was quite a good runner, middle distance runner. Um, and so mum was taking her all over the, the state for her races. So dad was there. Um, another um, top swimming coach and he was a top swimmer back in his day, Peter Doak. Um, there's a plaque at Kidinia Pool um, in remembrance of him. And he, he, uh, he, got, he got bronze in the 4x200 relay in the 1956 Olympics. Um, so I, he was a Geelong swimming club coach. So he was a – and I still, after I'd been um, – after I was coached by him and now and again, um, it just see him at the pool and say, Oh, Pete, can you like, just look at my stroke? No worries. Adam jumped in and helped out. And he, he helped many people and just his personality too. Um, yeah, it just, you know, people being kind like that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Greg Stewart was my first triathlon coach. Um, he's, he's famous for being, um, the first Australian, to podium as a pro in Hawaii. Um, you know, he's still a great mate to many of us. And we've had him around down to our camps talking about the stories of back when he started the sport, Pioneer. So I was very grateful to be coming across him and have his friendship. And um, Tim Bentley as well, as I mentioned before, and what he did and what he did in the sport. Um, his brother, Steve, was very helpful as well. And, uh, yeah, so then my uh, – Running would be Bruce Scrivens. Went down and did a few sessions with him. He was uh, Craig Mottram's first uh, running coach. And Bruce, you know, coached a lot of Olympians. And he, um, yeah, just, and he also coached my wife, Penny, at running and just being across him and, and just what sessions and welcoming he was to be part of it. And you could run with the best in Geelong. And he was fine. He was a triathlete coming along to that. Um, and then my other triathlon coach, um, was Jeremy Oliver. Um, yeah. And he, he sort of added extra bit of science into everything I did. And, um, yeah, it was, he, he was a coach. He is a coach from Melbourne. Um, he's now with swimming Australia and, and I was just happy to, to get programs from him and some, a few chats on the phone and just pick up all the knowledge he had. And, you know, he's, he was dealing with Grant Hackett, Michael Klim, those guys in their later years and getting to Olympics. And yeah, just, just uh, the way he went about things, kept things really simple. And that reflects back in a lot of the coaching I do and the thought process within as well. And he showed me that you can, you don't have to do as much training and you can do, you can do quite well. Um, and it enables you to fit into your whole, whole life. Uh, yeah. So he, I really honestly believe that I was doing like 30 to 40% less training than a lot of the, my competitors and, and I was still beating them. So it, it was just the smart science that he used. Um, yeah. And he helped Luke Bell um, few, through his early years as well. Um, yeah. So they're the guys that sort of had an influence um, and to finish off the chat, I'm just going to uh, talk about how you got into coaching and, you know, changing from working in the web development into full-time coaching. So just starting off with, um, you know, that infamous chat you had with me at the pool deck one day. <laughs> yes. So I would, 
I think um, it was around 16, 17 when I started coaching and it was with dad as a swimming coach. And it all came about is, is you know, I wanted to go out and earn some money. Um, I went and tried to work at Mexican graffiti. lasted probably one <laughs> month there. I had to work till 11 o'clock at night. Oh, my God. Couldn't handle that. Wasn't complimenting my training. That's what I said. So, um, yeah, so then earning some money and dad dad was running his own squad. He didn't actually, you know, didn't coach for a club. He actually created his own squad called the Piranha Squad out of Port Arlington. And oh, so then he had all, yeah, there you go, yeah. And he created even though his own logo for it, new T-shirts, a bit of fun. So maybe that's where I'm getting a lot of these things from um, with Beckworth Racing. And so he had a number of uh, people come to him from different clubs, which enabled so that to happen. People really enjoyed what he was doing as a coach. So I learned a lot from there and how he dealt with people. But for me to do at the very start was I'd rather do that in earning money than working um, at a cafe and I really did enjoy um, taking people through sessions and that they did that um, a swim squad in Geelong as well. And then uh, once I'd finished up at Geelong College, going to school there, I went back and did swimming, um, coaching there for their sport and then also went into athletics as well. Um, I knew a few of the teachers there. So I started to really get into the coaching way back then. And as I said, that was my way of earning money as I went through uni. Um, and then I continued that. Uh, and the first athlete I had was Callum Stewart. He was a mate. Um, he, he was into the tries like me and he had a year where he was um, being a garbage collector um, before he went to uni. So we would train together. And I said, I'll set some programs for you. And um, he got up and going. And then the, uh, yeah, the next athlete was yourself, Anthony. So I remember the conversation. It was at Geelong College. Um, you were swimming with, uh, with us in the swim squad. And, and your dad uh, really loved me swimming in the swim squad too. Yeah, yeah. No, he just said, oh, Anthony, um, what are you doing with yourself? I don't know. And said, well, why don't you do some training with Adam? Well, why not? So, and the rest is history. So there he came out training with me. And then from there it was like, why don't I guide you along the way? And um, yeah, so that's where the triathlon all started. And um, the old, as the, uh, the podcast says, the old gossip, the old gossip was out there talking to many people saying, come on, train with us. So then the group grew from there. And we always had around about 10 um, when it first started out. We had a lot of um, pet a lot of people in their early twenties and, and those are things with it all. And we had a lot of, a lot of talent in the group there, um, training together. It was the Lee Stabrilla, the Peter Kerr and yourself, um, all, all pushing along and having fun. So, yeah. And then a few others sort of joined up, um, who were, um, Greg yeah, Cole. Age, yeah, yeah. With it all age group, age groupers that joined up. Um, so we always kept around that sort of mark. And I mean, it used to be like two or three of us out for a ride really, but I, you know, I took on the coaching role in helping and I wanted to improve people. I just wanted to pass on my knowledge of all these things that I gathered and I could see that people were not doing the things, um, they were doing things that I was doing many years ago. Um, and I actually, I was trying to think before I missed on the, the influence of one of the guys, Peter Pape, 
Uh, um, he's a pretty out there guy, but I got to spend six months with him and riding with him and, and just him passing on his knowledge. Um, was amazing how he took me under his wing and I'd turn up to a race and he'd sit there and tune my bike before it. So the triathlons, yeah, happened along those ways. Um, the encouragement of people to, for me to keep doing it and it really came around, uh, it would be three years ago and yeah, the group was up to about 15, I think, and just said, Hey, Adam, you do quite well at this. I mean, Genevieve Pape was one of them. Um, Nath, Nath was one of them, Nathan Taylor. And just, I thought, well, why not? I'll have a crack now. Um, I'll try and transition my time I spend on web development business. And I also saw that evolving and many things coming along like social media and new things you had to learn and, and that sort of thing. And so I thought, oh, well, I can use a lot of those skills, but also I was creating brands for different companies within my web development business and doing print media for people. And so I started all these skills that I could be utilizing and, um, I thought, well, yes, let's, let's have a full crack on this. I mean, I've had some good athletes come through. Um, I do enjoy it. People are telling me that I'm doing a good job and, um, yeah. So the rest is history. And the way I took the step forward for me mentally was to go and do my level two coaching, which I'd looked at, um, 10, 10 years before that <clears throat> in doing it feeling that I need to upskill and keep going, but I just couldn't afford to take a week off work and spend three grand doing it um, at that time. So, yep. And so then we then um, started growing from there and I knew that I, I knew I needed help. I couldn't do it all myself. So that's where uh, I convinced you, Anthony, to uh, come on board and um, help me grow it. Cause I, I wanted to do it with a, uh, a friend um, I wanted to enjoy that experience of it all because I think that's what work should be. And yeah, the other thing I was is, saying that. I think with us, we can have an honest conversation where I think sometimes people can't have that. Even though we're friends, we can yeah. still have that honest conversation. And, and I've always, yes. uh, well, you've been a bit a, a long time mentor for me and always helped me, just not in triathlon, but in life. Um, so. Yeah, so I've always yeah, and that's yeah. and that's right. I mean, I mean, in some ways, that's what I found what coaching was allowing me to do for some people, and that's why I wanted to go into it more. I just I find that I I'm bringing joy to people, and it's it's just as you said, it's like we have the same vision. Um, I mean, that's why so many years ago, when you were eighteen, nineteen. Um, is that we still train together, we still do many things together, go away on trips together. It's just that we, we seem to be on the same channel length. So I, that's where I, for you, um, be involved with it. I knew you had the same passion as me. And then I, as I knew I had someone there to help me, I knew it was possible. So from there, yeah, it was it was then, and I have now transitioned over and it would be probably, it's looking at now 12 months ago is when I did my, you know, last web job um, within it all. And that's, yeah, it's, it's now all the coaching and, and bringing other coaches on board and bringing good people in to help me out. 
Um, but it comes, I also learn every year um, a little bit more. I would say some influences being that I went out and did some basketball coaching um, with my eldest Shay playing basketball and rep basketball and being involved in an under 20 women's team and a under 23 women's team, learning the aspects uh, of um, coaching females and coaching in a club situation and in a team and then having an understanding for a lot of the athletes because I like to understand athletes. A lot of the athletes are coming from these team sports and they're, they're finished with team sports and they're moving on to triathlons and why do they, why do they get involved in a club and it's the culture and, um, yeah, and what type of culture do you want to create? And, um, yeah, it's, 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 I wouldn't have asked someone like yourself to be involved if you weren't, um, you didn't see triathlons in the same way and we do with all the coaches all on the same page, um, and we've got Trav Beckley there as well as helping us out. And he, he has the same vision and passion uh, for, for the sport. So, And we look forward to showing so many more people what it's all about and not to forget the history, hey? Well, that's correct. Yeah, correct. Being showing everyone what a, a fantastic sport it is, but also what a – it is a fantastic community. And I, I personally have always – said this about triathlon that you know it, you go away to these races and you see people you haven't seen for a year and you can sit down and have a chat to them and it's just it is a great community to be be a part of and we're so lucky that it we is. can still be involved in the sport at you know what are you 63 now and i'm <laughs> but you know 43. That's was, yeah 43 and i'm in the late 30s and to still be part of a sport for, you know, 20 to 30 years and probably for the next 20 or 30 years after this. Yeah. And I, and I see, like, I mean, I'm looking back at the influence of what my coach um, that I had for the last 15 years in triathlons were with Jeremy and just, you know, he, I didn't see him face-to-face, but just conversations I'd have with him and just the way he saw life and just the way he saw sport as well and the way he mixed things in to make it work. And that's what I really push through hard is we can make it work. It all depends on people's lifestyles and, and their family situation and their work situation. We can make it work. And that, and that he really had that sort of influence on me. Yeah. It was, it was just to have that influence. It it gives you that direction. You know, you're doing the right thing and you just, you just want other people to experience the great experience that you have, but not only how uh, it's it's not just the sport, it's the lifestyle of it all and um, it's the influences that it has on the, on the families and the joy it brings to the kids, um, the role models they set. The, a lot of these people are out there, one of them, you know, Kim, Kim Dickinson, is a, she doesn't realise how much of a role model she is um, in her fifties doing what she has, um, compared to what she was doing in her forties. And, and it just, it not only influences, well, it influences the other athletes who then have kids that it flows down to them and then it flows down to their partners and just a really good positive, um, message down there. Yeah. And also the, well, she's done it. Why can't I sort of attitude as well? And she's, 
Kim is such an amazing person to have around the group. And I, again, yeah, as you said, she, I don't think she really realises that. No, not at all. And that, and that, and that's where too, um, you know, I didn't, as a junior, I was a good junior and I made, you know, back then it was like a VIS junior thing that you made, but they didn't really, it wasn't officially that. It's called the Big M Development Team. <laughs> um, how's that one, the Big M? We yeah. had the Big M. Big M T-shirts and the hats and all that sort of thing oh, as well. So I'm glad that wasn't was the banana, the banana, yeah, the banana flavor. So I mean, and that's what one that actually Peter Robinson came through. Um, and so, yeah, so we're, we're was going along those stages of it all. Um, I lost my train of thought on that actually. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, it's sort of the those sort of influences you have on different people that that help, yeah. And, you just want them to experience the happiness that you've had. Um, it, it's it can make it work within your in your life. All right, we might uh, we might finish up there, Adam. You've done quite well. We, as people might not know, you do like talking about yourself. Well, I mean, it, it was discussed on the phone before. Uh, Adam, have you done your research? Have you looked up what you're going to say? And I said, just leave me in with a in with a question, and I can <laughs> eventually eventually answer that. And then continue with some other stories. So, um, yeah, it's it's always good fun passing on your uh, stories. So, I think it's always good fun reliving the past sometimes because you you do forget how much you have achieved in your life. Um, yeah, so it's still so still true. Still such a young age. And so true. Yeah, I I do look back and go, wow, like. And because it was no the the way I looked at it all the time was no regrets. Have a go. Why not? Oh, that's what I was saying with the juniors back then. Is that way back then people go, "Hey, you haven't done this. You haven't done that. You haven't got this time. So why are you continuing to do it?" And I was like, I knew there was improvement there for always there for me. And knew it all all the time. I just needed to find the right formula. And then when I did then it was like a really, you know, it was so much easier, but it was so enjoyable and to see the improvement that happens. And I see that in a lot of athletes when they come to me and I can, and I just wish that, you know, sometimes someone visually saw different things and gone, yeah, we can do this. He can do that. Where can we improve here? I can see in six months time, we continue to go along this path. This is what I'll see. And I see that in, it doesn't matter whether it's a junior or who's someone who's in their fifties. I can no. still see that bit of improvement that I can get out of them. There's just that little bit extra that I can see there. And you just don't know where it takes you. Like I just wouldn't have believed that I would have been on a run. I knew I would maybe one day or I had the capabilities, but I couldn't believe that I did. And that was one of the messages that came through from one of my NUSA results was the coach messaged me and said, now will you start believing in yourself? And I thought, wow, you know, I thought I did, but maybe I didn't. And that's when I this I raced differently after that. Really did race differently. But it took me what say so I was age fifteen, and it took me to uh, age twenty five. So there's ten years of, but it, it, you know, it's enjoyable. You just keep having a go. It is enjoyable. Well, Adam, thank you for being the first guest on the Goss Ip. 
uh, podcast for our BRT athletes. Um, I hope they get something out of it. Um, I have. I've really enjoyed having this chat with you. And um, we will hopefully um, have another guest in the next two weeks. Um, This guest doesn't know she's going to be doing it yet, but I'm going to talk her into it. But I'm really interested to have a chat to her and listen to her life experiences. Okay, guys, get out there and do something. Thanks for listening to the Gossip Podcast with your host, Anthony Goss. For more great episodes, please visit our website, www.beckworthracing.com. And remember, in the great words of Coach Goss, do something.